Welcome to the Accelerate Podcast, a podcast for high-performing current and aspiring female founders and CEOs across Africa. And for those who also have a passion for Africa, this is the place to learn about the critical success factors and best practices of some of the most amazing high-performing female founders and CEOs as we help you grow to be the best version of you, achieve time and financial freedom whilst living a significant life. Thanks for tuning in to listen. I'm your host, Nakamubi. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to yet another exciting episode, what I believe will be another exciting episode of the Accelerate podcast. I'm delighted to have my guest today um, and she is Tinoade Aware. I'm going to just give a, a brief bio of her amazing resume. Um, Tinoade Aware is the Chief Executive of, Officer of NGX Regulation, which is a subsidiary of the Nigerian Exchange Group PLC. And the Nigerian Exchange Group PLC is a leading integrated market infrastructure in Africa, championing the development of Africa's financial markets. This subsidiary is committed to promoting just and equitable principles of trade and sound business practices in the Nigerian capital market by strictly enforcing clients listing and trading rules in accordance with global best practices. Essentially, Tinu is charged with the overall responsibility of protecting investors and supporting healthy capital markets. Tinu is also the trustee of the Nigerian Exchange Limited's, Limited's Investors Protection Fund. She's also the member of the Board of Financial Reporting Council of Nigeria, the FRC, and a non-executive director of the Central, Central Securities Clearing System, CSCS. She has an LLB degree from the Obafemi Awolowo University, IFE, and wait to hear this, two LLM degrees from Harvard Law School and the London School of Economics and Political Science. So you can imagine what my next question, my first question is going to be to her. She's admitted to both the Nigerian and New York bars. She's an associate member of the Institute of Chartered Secretaries and Administrators of Nigeria and the Institute of Capital Markets Registrars. She's a life member of the Institute of Directors. She's the recipient of the African Legal Awards 2018, the General Council of the Year, Law Digest African Awards, General Council of the Year 2018, and the Esquire Nigerian Legal Awards, General Council of the Year 2017. She was recently selected as one of the world, as one of the World Federation of Exchange Women Leaders for 2021. When she's not working, and apart from family, her interests include education, traveling, African art, gender, and development. Tinu is also a, a friend that uh, we went to school over 40 years now and counting. They say charity begins at home. So I am bringing in my guests from way, way back, feeling very comfortable getting into the podcast space. Tinu, a warm, warm welcome. Wow, amazing. I didn't, I didn't realize that you had or done all this. Amazing. Well done. Kudos to you. Thank you very much. Great. So tell me, first question, why do you have to? LLM degrees from two great universities. How did you manage that? Okay. 
I think that's a great question, Ineka, because sometimes I ask myself the same question. So the first LLM um, was, I wouldn't say that was an LLM that I necessarily did by choice. So what happened was I had gotten um, a very good grades uh, at the law school in Nigeria, and those grades qualified me to um, interview for a British Council scholarship. And so I went... Yes, yes. <laughs> so that, that, that um, the work I did at the law school and those results qualified me for an interview for a British Council scholarship called the Saad and the Alexander Memorial Scholarship. And I interviewed and I got the scholarship and the scholarship was to be used in a university in the UK. And so, you know, I wanted to go um, to a top university in the UK. Uh, LSE um, accepted me and I went. Uh, the second master's, the master's in Harvard, was a master's that I wanted to do. It was a master's that I planned to do. And so um, I actually think that the experience at Harvard was much better for me. LSE is a wonderful school, but I went there just because the offer was open, um, as opposed to the master's in, in Harvard, where it was a planned move uh, and I had so much more fun. Um, and I think what I learned from it, even though you haven't asked me, Mecca, but I will say, is that I would always advise people to do a master's degree when they have a better idea of what they want to do professionally. Um, I think I went to a really good school, the LSE, but I didn't allow the school to fully go through me because I just wasn't ready for that experience at that time. Yeah. No, very interesting point you bring. When I also look at when I did my NBA, you know, I, I mean, with hindsight nine, as you say, you know, really planning for that and allowing it to go through you as opposed to just going. Yes. Yeah. So for me, that was a big learning. Right. Um, and, and it's important that you pick that up. Um, yeah. So, OK. So um, what was your experience growing up um, and its impact on where you are today? You know, how you know, do you tell me? Let, let me not let me not stare you into it. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up in the great town of Ibadan. Yes, yeah. and Ibadan is in Nigeria for those yes, not... It is in Nigeria, in your state. It's in Western Nigeria. And it's basically a civil servant and university town. So my parents were both academics. They were both professors in the University of Ibadan. One a professor of physics and the other a professor of um, oral history. And um, I grew up on the university campus. It was a very famous professor, Mrs. Away, if I dare say. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> it was Neka. <laughs> it was a great um, upbringing. Uh, I think, to a certain extent, sheltered. Um, not because there was loads of cash. So it wasn't that type of sheltering. It was the type of sheltering that we lived in a university community. Our uh, friends were from, drawn from the university community. We went to primary school in the university community. And it was a very idyllic type of life. Now, I thank my parents because they realized that and they ensured that we had access to people from other socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, but if they hadn't done that, it was basically uh, an aisle of peace within uh, that was not necessarily representative of the rest of the society. Um, but in that upbringing, my parents taught us a lot of things. One was the value of hard work, humility, 
extremely important, humility, treating people with respect and having integrity. Um, you know, those values, I think, have played for me in my later years. Um, I don't think that you can go get to be CEO of a company that is not your, where you're not a founder CEO. Uh, and even when you become a founder CEO, um, I think you flounder very quickly if you are not hardworking. Hard work. My parents, through the use of Yoruba proverbs and English idioms, would always talk about the value of hard work. Uh, it's, it's interesting. My mother is, is 88 now, and I visited her for the first time in 2020 because of Corona, or rather the second time in 2020. I visited her in December and woke up in the morning and I'm like, mom, what are you doing this morning? And she said, what else is there to do? I'm going to walk. Because, you know, as an academic, she still um, is able to work producing papers and, you know, this um, intellectual work. And so, you know, that's just the background I came from. And I think that that has really helped. I think humility is extremely important. People knowing that um, they can rely on you not to, to get to be down to earth and to be respectful of other people's views, to be respectful of other people generally, whoever they are whether they're the gate man or they're the most uh, senior of CEOs in the company, treating them respectfully and with a great humility. And that the more you accomplish in life, the more you ask God for additional doses of humility, because it's really not about you. I think finally, the importance of God in our lives. Um, at that time, not necessarily growing up, not necessarily as a personal savior, but um, the importance of the fact that there was a supreme being that directed all lives. I think later in life, the importance of the personal relationship with God also came into play. Absolutely. I mean, the God factor, you can't... Um, and these are things your money cannot buy, right? So it's not really about success in terms of monetary, um, you know, how much is in your bank, right? in your bank account, right? For the things you've just told me about, Um could you speak into that? Yes, it's not about your bank account. My parents were academics, and I think in Nigeria, academics are notoriously, certainly not um, high earners. Um, at a point in time, certainly at the time that they were there, it was a comfortable enough ex existence. But also I grew up like you, uh, Neka, I think we came into our own in the 80s and 90s by which time the economic situation in Nigeria had certainly uh, put a dent in, uh, you know, squeezing out the, the middle class. Uh, but despite um, whatever it was about what you had in your pocket, those values about ensuring that you were true to yourself, ensuring that you had integrity, ensuring that you were hardworking, and not just hard work for the sake of hard work, but that you took pride in the quality of what came out of that hard work was also very, very important. Uh, I think those values are, um, they, they're, they're try, tried and tested values. And no matter how much money you have, if you don't have integrity, if you're not hardworking, if you don't have humility, if you're not respectful of, uh, to others, um, I think it detracts from who you are. Absolutely. And um, that leads me to my next question. I mean, beyond the the values that have stayed with you um, from childhood, how 
how did you make it? I mean, how were you appointed? What what were the critical success factors that ensure that you were appointed um, the one of well the the new CEO, the CEO of a newly created subsidiary of the um, Nigerian Exchange Group? Um, obviously, it must have been very competitive. It's a, one of the largest uh, groups in Africa. Um, how did you prepare yourself for this role? And congratulations again, by the way. Thank you, Neka. I really appreciate it. Um, I think that um, my career hasn't been as planned as um, some other successful people have. I certainly wouldn't advise anyone to take the route that I have taken, which I will call the more scenic route. Okay, <laughs> so but that's still, that could be quite interesting. <laughs> It could be quite interesting, but, you know, um, I think certain things are more tried and tested. So, right. for example, a tried and tested route to the C-suite, maybe to start in a, in a management trainee program in a really good company or with a try and get into a very good consulting firm. You know, Eneka, um, I, didn't, I didn't do that. Um, so I'm a lawyer. And I think for the first uh, couple of years, um, I worked in, in one of Nigeria's uh, most prestigious law firms. So I think I was very blessed in that sense for my youth core. And um, while when I was doing youth core, um, a lot of people didn't take that youth core year seriously. I was blessed to have um, bosses who insisted that I had to take it seriously. And so um, I had no choice Again, it was one of those things, kind of like when you were talking about uh, the masters that I did at LSE. It wasn't really my choice. It was just that God put me in a place where I had people who insisted that I wasn't going to be able to um, avoid uh, go being, uh, be, uh, you know, be able being able to say, "Oh, I'm a baby lawyer, and it doesn't. You don't really have to expect much of me." They expected much of me, and I think the type A type of person that I am, I soaked that in. And then I was blessed um, to go into two uh, jobs in the UN. Uh, one uh, at the International uh, Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. Uh, which again was kind of like a scenic route because there was nothing I had done before that prepared me for that. Again, another amazing boss, uh, Justice Caribbean White of Blessed Memory, uh, again, demanding that I put in and that I um, worked hard and, you know, rose to my full potential. I left there after almost two years and then moved to the UN in Geneva, working with the uh, United Nations um, Compensation Commission, which was the commission that was set up after the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait, you know, during George I, George Bush the first. Um, um, that, that, um, that war that arose as a result of Iraq's invasion of Kuwait. As you recall, the Allies brought that war to a close and then they set up this commission. And again, they're working with people who just demanded um, that you had to put in your best. And I was responding to this because I think of the ethics of hard work, but not in any, I, I, you know, I, 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 grad, I, I, I was 21 when I finished law school had that view that I had the world ahead of me. I wasn't planning anything really, Neka. And this is the point I want to make from say, from talking about all this is the importance of God in our lives. So 
to your question, I would say the first thing, just using demonstrating those three jobs, the demands, the, the, the access to those, um, what um, I believe were prestigious jobs, but at that time, I took, kind of took for granted, to be very honest, um, was God. Um, it wasn't anything planned. And I think it was when I moved to America, the decision to go to Harvard, that I would say was my first planned decision. And the reason why I went to Harvard was I felt that I wanted to practice law in the U.S., but I was too foreign to the U.S. I had worked in Nigeria and in Europe, and I had schooled in Nigeria, I'd gone to the LSE by this time, but I needed an American stamp of approval. And where better to get it than an Ivy League university? And, you know, we talk about dropping the H-bomb when you've been to Harvard. So I was in my mind, I was going to go and drop the H-bomb and get into... Um, anywhere you wanted. Into, yeah, anywhere yeah. I wanted. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't that easy. But eventually right. I did get into a very prestigious law firm in, in New York. And I sat there for seven years and I worked very hard for those seven years and tried to, you know, get myself involved in different kinds of things, you know, um, really become a citizen of the firm. That was, those years were the first planned years. Those were the years where the first move. So what do I think people should do? They should be strategic. So that decision uh, to go, to go to the US, to go and get that type of experience um, in the type of firm where I got it, I think was, um, another, uh, what I what I would take from that is being hardworking, but also being strategic. What next do you want to do and how does it get you to the top? Remember that at that time, all I was interested in was becoming a partner in a prestigious law firm, either in Nigeria or in the US. But I wanted to have that foreign experience. Well, the partnership dream didn't uh, pan out. I think um, I realized very quickly that I wasn't going to make partner um, because there are all sorts of things that go into the partnership equation. Um, and that was very disappointing. And I think I got a bit um, disappointed at that point. And I decided that I was going to leave. And in leaving, again, the God factor, as I was thinking about leaving, um, somebody told me about a school in South Africa that was being set up called the African Leadership Academy. And I said, you know what? I'm so frustrated with law. I didn't, I'm not going to become a partner. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I like education. And, I, and actually one of my pro bono clients was one of the biggest educational NGOs in the state of New York. So I'm going to go off and do this. Again, a little bit of that, my scenic route, because that had nothing to do with the planning yeah. before. But I went there in Nekan, again, the God factor. It was fantastic. Why was it fantastic? Because for the first time, I was working directly with MBAs. So I had Fred Swanika, who was MBA from, from Stanford, Chris Bradford, uh, uh, you know, just really amazing guys. And they taught me what it meant to build a business from scratch in a way that all my law firm experience hadn't taught me. The one year or a little less than one year that I spent away from the, taking a break from the law was an amazing year and I'm forever grateful to them for that opportunity. By the end of it though, because that, that entity was a not-for-profit I and I liked, I actually liked the, the income from the law firm in New York, um, I wasn't sure that I wanted to continue. And in any event, it was a contract, it was a consultancy engagement. So I left and I came to Nigeria and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. 
uh, back to my scenic route. And this brings me into the third thing that I think is important because I've talked about hard work, I've talked about planning, I've talked about God. The th next thing that I think is important is relationships. Because when I got to Nigeria, it was relationships that informed me about some of the moves that I made. Those relationships were key. And it was relationships that helped me to get into uh, the capital market because I was, you know, I had friends that I had made in, in The Hague and Geneva, some of whom were moving back home or moving back to Africa and um, had informed me about some of the um, things that were happening at that time in the Nigerian capital market. Because of experience that I had from the law firm, I was able to parlay that experience and say, I can do this. But it was the relationship that opened the door to say, let's look at your papers to see whether you can do this. So relationships are absolutely key. Absolutely key. So those relationships opened the door. And then I went in and I did the hard work. And I did the work at the quality that they required. And I put in the hours. And then, you know, moved into the exchange, first in a consultancy position from the Securities and Exchange Commission in a consultancy position to the exchange and never left. And just kept growing from there. I just kept going. There was an opening for a job. I applied for it, got onto the executive committee. And I was on the executive committee of the Nigerian Stock Exchange uh, for eight, uh, since 2012. And in the executive committee, first of all, as the head of a division, as the head, uh, first of all, as head of legal, then the head of a division, uh, the company secretariat, head of regulation. And each of those experiences helped to build to where I was. So I've kind of told the story, if I was going to say it in a nutshell, because I've told a long story, Aneka, I hope that I'm being... Cynic conversation as well. So we're going <laughs> along the journey with you. <laughs> God, number one. Two, hard work and quality. Three, relationships. Very, very important. So I think those are the three things. Uh, and demonstrating integrity, demonstrating trustworthiness all through as you go along. Absolutely critical. So I'm going to ask a follow-up question that in terms of relationships, how, how do you maintain, given all that's going on, how do you build your relation? What, what's your experience around that? How do you keep and maintain that? I mean, like okay. I've known you for many years and we just continue from where we stop, but how yes. do you do that? Neka, but I like friends like you uh, because you are low maintenance. Mm. We continue like from low where maintenance, we right? Yeah. I, I think, and I'm low maintenance yes. as well. Yes. So I gel best with people who are low maintenance because I can't do the calling you every day. Um, I, it just, I, it, it won't work. I, 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 I have loads of relationships where um, it's, I may not, I may not be in touch with you. And then, you know, I see something that may be of interest to you and I send it to you and we have a quick chat and we may not talk again for another uh, six months. Right, right. So um, I think that um, folks um, that get on best professionally are those who have really mastered the art of relationships. I am still a work in progress in, in that, in the sense that 
Um, you know, the, the, the books will tell you things like when you meet somebody, make sure you put their, their details in your Rolodex with a little note uh, beside, uh, you know, what it was that you spoke about the last time. So maybe you meet somebody at a dinner and it's, uh, they have on a, a nice pair of, a nice pearl necklace. And then you get into a, a discussion about Japanese pearls. When you write uh, beside the person's card in your Rolodex or in your in, on your contacts on your computer, put that so that next time there's a connect there's a connection point to take off. Um, call people, go for dinner, uh, go for lunch. I find that that is quite difficult for exactly me. given all that's going on, right? So yeah, absolutely. So I tend to gel best with the low maintenance relationships. Right. And where you understand where, so where we are. Mm -hmm. Yes. But they're low maintenance. Excellent. Okay, so um, two more questions, uh, or rather three short ones. Um, how do you stay relevant in terms of professional development? Being very busy, you talked about hard work, putting in the hours, um, How and of course, balance, which will be my next question. How do you stay on top of your game? Okay, so for professional development, I think that you um, have to do a lot of learning on the job. And um, in my area, which is uh, the area of markets, there are a lot of articles available about everything. So right now, if you want to know about cryptocurrency, there's a lot of information out there about crypto as an asset or crypto as a store of value, crypto as currency. Uh, um, um, and so you just need to get into the onto the right mailing lists to ensure that you get articles without getting an overload of them. And I think technology has made that easy. I think also you need to do uh, attend conferences. Again, uh, one of the uh, out the out uh, the 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 children of COVID, if if if, if I can say it uh, that way, is that there's so much more available virtually that you can take at your own convenience. And last year, I made sure that I, that I did quite a bit of that. I took advantage of, of last year to do a number of certifications, join a number of, of um, organizations where I would receive professional um, um, information on a regular basis and also participate actively to grow myself uh, professionally and keep myself relevant. I think the other thing is um, make sure that people know that you are available to speak. If you are type A like me and you, Neka, you know if you are going to speak somewhere, you will prepare for it. That's just, that's just the way. You're. So it forces you to keep yourself relevant. That's a great idea, actually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. So um, I, for example, I'm very interested in corporate governance. And so I make sure that people know I'm available to do corporate governance trainings, to speak on panels about corporate governance, sustainability, and so, and so on and so forth. And I keep myself relevant on anything to do with that uh, because um, I know that a speaking engagement can come uh, very often. So when you get to a certain level in your career, um, you can parlay um, some of the work you've done into speaking and influencing. But you need for people to know that you're available to do that. And then when you get the opportunity, do it at such a level that people will remember and call you again. It does two things. One, you get your name out there. So in terms of career progression, but also it keeps you um, ensuring that you are relevant as well. 
because you're constantly um, refreshing. I think also reading uh, books. Um, so right now, as, as you said, I've just become the CEO of a company. It's my first time as CEO. So I find myself reading a lot of um, nuggets and short articles on strategy and on how to be a, a CEO, um, you know, um, all the books about good being, uh, building a great company, you know, little summaries of those types of, of, of books. And I find that very, very helpful. No, very interesting points you've given. Yeah, definitely very um, enlightening. Okay, so um, given your busy role in the uh, corporate world, how do you maintain balance? You know, we're females and obviously we have the home. Um, how are you able to maintain that balance at the home, executive and your other roles and other things that interest you? Becca, there's no balance. So balance presupposes that um, nothing is suffering and there's always something that suffers the way you have to constantly prioritize. And I think one of the good things about being a woman and being natural jugglers is that we prioritize on the go. So on one day, the children are the priority of this list of things. On the other day, it's the spouse. On the other day, it's work. And depending on the ages of the children. So I'll give you an example. Um, I have two children. My daughter, who is the older one, is the more, I will call her the more demanding child of my attention. My son is easygoing, flows with, flows with whether mommy is available or not, right? It's easy. With my daughter, um, a couple of years ago, I had to sit her down to say, uh, Wuraula, um, do you like going to school? She said, yes. Do you like meeting your friends in school? She said, yes. You like playing with them and your teachers and everything? She said, yes. I said, mommy has a job. And mommy really likes her job and mommy likes her colleagues and mommy also likes going to work. So sometimes I remind her, you remember mommy said she likes this and if I wanted to pull you out of school for you to come and watch me give a speech, you're likely to say no. So I will come for X, Y and Z, but I will not be able to come for Y, W and, you know, whatever it is. So I have um, pacts like that with my children. And I also ensure that weekends are practically sacrosanct, uh, is out of balance, is sacrificed for the fact that for weekends, I try as much as possible to be available for the family. It is some of those relationships. So for example, uh, you know, Neka, that our Old Girls Association is on a Sunday, uh, the meeting is on a Sunday. I hardly ever go to those meetings. Because my children are at, at an age now where I need to have that me time with them over the weekend. At another stage in my life and at another stage of their lives, I know I will become um, um, active. More active, um, more right. Active with their session. So those relationships are not at the level that I would like them to be for now in order to be able to give time to family. I think in all of this, as Indira Nonyi of uh, former of PepsiCo, I, I love her. She's one of my mentors from afar. I listen to everything I can, I can, get, I can get from her. Um, she said, in all of this, the person that suffers the most is the spouse. And I agree with her. Um, which is why another thing I think about balance for women who want to progress is you absolutely have to marry your friend. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. spot on. 
if you are not married to your friend, there are certain expectations that of a woman in our social, in our society, that you certainly will not be able to meet. Like, for example, how many times can I cook in a month or in a week? Yes, I would, I would cook. For example, this morning I cooked. So because my husband loves, there's a certain dish he loves and I made it this morning. I got up early to make it this morning. Okay. But how many times do I have time to do that? If he was married to somebody else, the person may have more time to cook all the dishes he likes, but he's fine with the Tinu making the sacrifice once in a while. And appreciates that as well, you know, that you even did. He likes it. And he appreciates it. Yes. And he celebrates my successes. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's, um, it's, 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 it's a lot of what is the priority at this time? You're constantly juggling. Um, but I think work-life balance is really a little bit of a myth. Um, it's a constant juggle. And I think also, finally, Nick, I must not forget this. The final thing is having a support system. So a support system like the one you have in the office, replicate it at home. And at a certain level of seniority, you have, I believe, the financial means to do it. I don't spend that much money on clothes and jewelry and that kind of thing. So I can afford to get um, a full-time staff in the house to help with certain things. But it then means that some of the things that I may want to spend money on, I can't spend money on them because I need to pay this full-time staff appropriately because I don't have the kind of job where I can suddenly say, oh, um, my, ch- my, my child has a headache. I, I can't attend that strategy session. Now, obviously, there'll be situations where the headache is serious, but if it's a headache where the child is, um, that will be sorted with an analgesic and a hug, grandma is also around. So many people don't get on with their mothers-in-law. I love my mother-in-law. I prayed about the kind of mother-in-law I was going to get, and she has been fantastic. Uh, when I was get, having my interview for one of my positions at the exchange, I told her, and she was praying and fasting on that day. Oh, wow. Yes. But, you know, so, Eleka, it's like yeah, a little yes. of give and take. Some people don't want, oh, I don't want my mother-in-law in my house. That's fine. But for me, she's a critical part of but, my Yes, support, absolutely. I mean, this is fantastic. It's part. very insightful. Yes. And yes. as you said, you prayed for that, right? What you want. It's also knowing what you want, right? And um, and going for that. Okay. Very, very insightful to know what you've just Thank said. Thank you, now. Neka. And then the last question is, any final words um, to a middle career female uh, person? Well, female or even male, for the males who are listening to this podcast, but mostly <laughs> yes. to the female folk, um, you know, to so that person who is aspiring to be where you are currently. All the things that I've said are very critical. I think for a middle career person, the most critical, however, after God, is um, strategizing. That the relationships you build in the entity and uh, professionally are very, very important. And without going into too much details, sponsoring and mentoring are very important in your middle career. As I said, I didn't go about it in a a structured fashion, 
But when I look back, I actually had sponsors and mentors who didn't even realize they were mentoring me. And it's just later that I, I got the language to figure out what was going on between uh, myself and those individuals in the law firm or in various places uh, where I have worked or sponsoring. So I think um, what a career person can, a middle career person can do now is where do you want to go? Who are the people that can help you to get there and reach out to them for their help to get there? It is a given that you have God and that you're working with God. It is a given that you're hard working and that you're providing a quality uh, work. It's a given that you're willing to make the sacrifices that you need to make. So the last thing that you then need to add is those relationships and building those relationships um, in a strategic fashion. Absolutely important. Wow, Tindo, this has been, I'm sure, very insightful. I'm sure you would... Uh agree um you listening right and i'm sure you probably have many more questions for her but um this has been fantastic thank you i I mean i have my notes here just things that i'm going to um speak (laughs) around some things yes i mean just that's why i love these interviews with amazing people like you thank you thank thank you you very much for taking time out and this is a weekend so this is really this means a lot okay so thank you very much for being a part of uh, this episode Um, post your comments below. I will be pleased to take them and look out for the next episode. This concludes this episode of Accelerate. All the information links will be down in the show notes. If you have not done so already, hit that subscribe button on your podcast player of choice on Apple. This will make sure you don't miss any of the amazing content we have lined up and rolling out for you. If you love this episode, it will mean a lot if you would leave a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. Finally, if you haven't connected with me over on Instagram and you're interested in learning more about similar episodes and all that's happening before they even get announced publicly, let's make sure to connect over there at Accelerate or Nekamubi on Instagram. But with all that said, I appreciate you being here. I look forward to connecting with you over on Instagram. And until I see you in the next episode, endeavor to grow, profit, and make an impact. 